Thank you very much, musicians. We do appreciate uh, all of their labor and effort and sacrifice. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, uh, please, to uh, Ephesians chapter 6. I need a little more monitor or something. Something doesn't sound quite right. Thank you. Uh, Book of Ephesians chapter 6. And I want to preach on something today that I think is a common denominator. I know it's a common denominator uh, among all of us. I'm confident that no matter who you are, even if you're not a Christian today, this sermon uh, will relate to you. And if you are a newer believer, uh, a middle-aged Christian, or a long-term believer, uh, there is certainly something here for you. Tapping out. Tapping out. That's a term from what I understand in wrestling. I didn't have the time to talk to our in-house wrestlers about this this morning. Uh, but I've heard it before, tapping out. If you're in a certain type of wrestling competition and your opponent gets you uh, in a hopeless situation, you've tried counter moves. You've tried various prescribed maneuvers uh, that are assigned particularly uh, to get out from the predicament that you're in, uh, but you can't do it. You've tried everything, uh, and then you decide it's over, and you tap out. You hit the canvas three times, uh, or you tap uh, uh, somewhere on the, on the shoulder, the arm of your opponent, uh, and the ref sees that, blows the whistle, uh, and the match is over uh, because you have surrendered. You have given up. You're not going to win. And so you tap out spiritually. This is something that you must never do. For every spiritual action that God takes in your life, there is a demonically inspired reaction, just like our wrestling match. Everything that one does, there's a prescribed countermaneuver. And then everything that that person does to counter what you have done, you have a countermaneuver. This is why it's called wrestling. It's punch and counterpunch. It's maneuver and countermaneuver. Every spiritual action that God takes in your life, there is a demonically inspired reaction. Everything that God tries to put into your life, the devil immediately goes to work to try to remove it. Everything that God tries to accomplish, the devil tries to undo and unravel. Everything that God tries to add, the devil tries to subtract. Every advance that God initiates, the devil tries to push back. For every truth, the devil has a lie. And there is no such thing as just simply picking your opponent up and putting him in a position he can't get out of. He's there to fight you back. He's there to offer a a counter move for every maneuver and every move you try to impose on him. And what I want us to do together this morning is to look at our lives. What has God done in your life that is no longer there? God did something miraculous. God did something great. He saved and delivered. And healed. He made great strides, but then along comes all the counter maneuvers that are designed to oppose everything that God has put into your life. What counter moves have been successful against what God has done in your life? It could be a particular sin that you were once delivered from. And now you're back at it. It was a real deliverance. It was genuine forgiveness. But you see, you have an opponent. You've been 
forgiven and delivered. But listen, he has a strategy and he has countermaneuvers that he is going to employ to try to get you back subjugated underneath the weight of that sin. What about a calling? A calling to preach the gospel. You were once given to that. You once dreamed about that. It was discipleship and progressing in the will of God. But you see, for everyone whom God calls, there is a countermaneuver. And he's going to try to get that calling out of your life. Or not get it out. He can't remove it. But he can at least get you diverted and get you distracted. Not so much now pursuing the will of God. Now it's all about other things that have your attention. We could have been once very much alive, very much on fire for God, and cooled off over the years. There was a book, it's a good book actually, I don't know if we have it in our bookstore, but it would be a good one to get, by Charles Swindoll called Two Steps Forward, Three Steps Backward. That's what life is like sometimes. How many can say amen with me? And so when I began to ponder this and think about this, I thought of this word wrestle. Comes to mind. And the Bible uses this word and this term and the idea behind it, this very specific and interesting sporting activity, close quarter fighting, uh, grabbing hold of your opponent uh, and wrestling with him, trying to subdue him. It's not basketball. It's not football. It's not baseball. It's not archery. It's not soccer or some other kind of competition. It is a very unique feature of sporting activity. I know there are different types of wrestling, Greco-Roman wrestling, and other such things that have particular styles and rules and regulations and such things. But I began to think about that in the context of our effort to live for God. We are in a wrestling match. And that's what I want to talk about from Ephesians chapter 6. And this sermon can give you hope that the one who is going to tap out is going to be the devil. Amen. Let's read our text, Ephesians 6, 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the strategies of the devil. And here's the key verse. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the enemy, of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Let's pray and ask for God's help. Father, thank you today. For your ministering presence, touch our hearts today, Father. Fill these altars with brokenness, repentance, surrender to your will and to your purpose, Lord. Anoint this message. Touch every heart. Revive and refresh and rekindle us and encourage our souls. And we thank you for what you're doing in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's revisit a very familiar subject. The reality of spiritual warfare. Now, three times in the Bible, it's not a very common word. The idea of it is very common. 
But three times in the Bible, the word wrestle is used, or the word wrestling is used in the Bible. The first reference is uh, the idea of wrestling with other people uh, that you are in conflict with. And it comes from Genesis chapter 30, and a conflict between two sisters, uh, Rachel and Leah. And the Bible says, then Rachel said, with great wrestlings, uh, I have wrestled with my sister Leah, and indeed I have prevailed. And so she called his name Naphtali. This is an account uh, of the punch and counterpunch uh, between Rachel and her sister Leah. There was discord between these two sisters uh, over the affections uh, of their husbands, uh, Jake, of their husband, uh, Jacob, and it had to do with the fact that Leah was very fruitful and had multiple children, and Rachel was barren and had no children, and so there's contention between these two women, and finally Rachel takes her handmaiden and gives her to her husband so that he can have children with her so that Rachel can then claim those children as her own, and she does that, and that's when she writes this verse. This was her counterpunch. This was her uh, uh, move uh, uh, because Leah had been fruitful and had children and she couldn't. Uh, and so she takes her handmaid. Uh, and then Leah uh, tried to have more children uh, and she was unable to have children. Uh, so she counterpunched back uh, and got her maid uh, and uh, gave her to Jacob. Uh, and he had children through Leah's handmaid uh, that Leah claimed uh, as her own. This word uh, that Rachel used here uh, is a word that means to intertwine with another person uh, and to fight, uh, to hold on to, uh, and to be twisted together. Uh, this is close-knit. This is not a drone strike uh, where you don't even know uh, or see uh, uh, your opponent. Uh, you don't even know if they're dead or wounded or if you hit your target necessarily. Uh, this is uh, uh, face-to-face, eyeball-to-eyeball, uh, close quarter. Uh, and uh, and uh, this, of course, happened because Rachel and Leah were incapable and unable to reason together and to resolve their conflict. And so they entered into this wrestling match of punch and counterpunch, move and countermove. And of course, the Bible is a long record of people wrestling with other individuals and with other people. And the Bible says this happens in the church. Some of the letters that Paul wrote deal with conflict among brethren. Most of them do, as a matter of fact. 1 Corinthians says uh, that he writes in chapter 1, verse 11, For it has been declared to me uh, concerning you, my brethren, uh, by those of Chloe's household, uh, that there are contentions uh, among you. Contentions. Uh, that is uh, a similar word in imagery to what we're talking about. It's strife and variance uh, and wrangling. Uh, it's close quarter conflict. Uh, words are spoken. Uh, anger is vented. Uh, vengeance is sought. Uh, and there's upset uh, and emotional turmoil. Uh, and so there is this kind of wrestling uh, that happens uh, among brethren. The second type of wrestling that the Bible refers to uh, is the wrestling that we do with God himself. And that, of course, is the story of Jacob wrestling with God. Genesis 32, 24, Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. And that was God. Now, when he saw that he did not prevail against him, when the when, when the Lord saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, does that get your attention? How can God not prevail? When he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. This is a picture of a man wrestling with the will of God for his life. And in that battle, you can win. In a sense, you can defeat God by saying, no will of God, no calling, no future, no discipleship, no surrender. You can prevail. But if you prevail in your wrestling match with God, you lose. If you 
you lose in your wrestling match with God, you win because you gain His purpose. You can actually overcome God and His will and when it comes to what He wants for your life. And so some of the wrestling in the Bible has to do with wrestling with God. Now, the third type of wrestling is the focus of our message today. And for many of us here, this is elementary. And perhaps it would be considered hardly worth mentioning. But it is a constant. And we do need to be reminded. And for some, this will be very new truth and revelation that will help you greatly in uh, overcoming uh, in your own life. So the term here implies a struggle. Close, hand-to-hand combat. Your strength and your strategy is contested by the strength and by the strategy of your opponent. The word there literally describes, it's actually a sporting uh, term. That's the term that the Holy Spirit uses. Uh, And it's describing a contest uh, between two individuals uh, in which each endeavors to throw the other uh, and subdue them, uh, and which is decided when one is able uh, to hold his opponent down uh, with his hand upon his neck. That is how uh, they determined who won in wrestling matches uh, in those days. Uh, This is the term uh, that the Holy Spirit uses uh, to describe the idea of believers and their struggle with evil and with sin and with temptation and disobedience and self-will and the will of God. And make no mistake about this, that every single one of your lives and every day of your life is going to involve wrestling. You're going to wrestle every day with the will of God. You're going to wrestle with obedience. Things are going to happen that upset you. Things are going to happen that make you mad. Uh, Things are going to happen uh, that elicit uh, uh, impulses towards sin. Uh, Things are going to happen that are going to make you want to say things. Uh, For everything that you do uh, in obedience to God, for every altar call you answer uh, in submission to God, uh, for every advance that God makes in your life, uh, for everything that God puts into your life, uh, the devil is ready and waiting uh, to put a counter move on you. Uh, And this is our life. Uh, Every single day, some part of every day is going to involve wrestling. You can be by yourself and the mind battles start. You can be with other individuals and you get inspired to do something you ought not to do. You can be at work and come underneath the weight of temptation to rob or to steal or to be dishonest in some way. These are the moves and the counter moves and it's the daily wrestling that we all go through. Married couples wrestle in their own hearts and minds uh, with love and forgiveness uh, and obedience to God uh, in their marriage. We wrestle uh, when it comes to money and finances, giving, not giving, uh, tithing and obedience uh, and sacrifice. uh, And it's this constant uh, move and counter move, uh, punch and counter punch. uh, And we're all engaged uh, in wrestling. Hebrews puts it this way. In chapter 10, verse 32, but recall the former days in which, after you were illuminated, after you were enlightened, enlightened, you endured a great struggle. That's what it says. You endured a great struggle. How many times, this is the question of the message, how many times in the heat of wrestling with your opponent, mind battles, temptations, impulses to say what you shouldn't say, maybe to do what you shouldn't do. Uh, How many times uh, in the atmosphere uh, of wrestling with your adversary uh, have you tapped out and surrendered and gave up and then you did what you shouldn't do, said what you shouldn't say, acted in a way that was inappropriate. We tap out to our calling and our destiny. Sometimes we tap out to sin and temptation. Sometimes we tap out with this impulse to say things and to speak out of anger or revenge. The Bible is very, very clear concerning the spiritual nature 
of our wrestling match. We could all get a mental picture of two men, or two women for that matter. I mean, women box, they do the cage fighting, they probably wrestle too. We all can get an image of that. Close quarters, strength against strength, move against counter move, maneuvering and manipulating, studying your opponent, trying to exploit their weakness, and you're never more than a foot or two away from them. It's close, it's intimate, it's, and with every move, a counter move has to be immediately initiated. You can't let up, you can't take your foot off the pedal, you can't relax. If you relax, your opponent is going to slam you and you're going to end up tapping out. A wrestling match is spiritual. That's the imagery, but it is spiritual against unseen spiritual forces and powers that are opposed to everything that God is trying to do in your life. Your problems, your issues, your internal wrestlings, your mind battles. Uh, Many times your thoughts and your imaginations uh, are nothing more or less uh, than the move and the counter move, the punch and the counter punch uh, you're trying to subdue. uh, And then a move is made against you to try to get you to subdue. uh, And it's this constant uh, interaction that is taking place uh, between us uh, and our spiritual adversary. Verse 12, uh, the Apostle Paul underscores this. uh, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Your problem is not your brother or sister. Your problem and your need is not centered around some physical issue or circumstance. There are spiritual issues that drive everything that we see on the surface. And this is a definitive and a necessary and an absolute statement. Our struggles originate in a spiritual Dimension. Wrestling can have a physical uh, feature to it that we can see, but not necessarily. The point is there, are, there is an unseen realm that operates, and from that unseen realm, these counter moves come to oppose all that God is doing. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, Paul writes and says, For a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. So a door is opened by God. The devil sees that. Does he get out of the way and say, oh, no, God's opened a door. I better get out of the way because God has done this. No, he presents opposition. An effective door has been opened, and then a counterpunch comes. And Paul acknowledged that by saying the door has been opened by God, but there are many adversaries. One move to try to advance And a counter move to try to push you back. One move to try to foster obedience and advance the will of God. And a counter move to try to pull out whatever God has put into your life. In our text, verse 12, the second part of it. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. That's the first part. But against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. What he's doing there is describing levels of hierarchy, just like a military organization with generals and majors and captains and lieutenants and sergeants and privates, apparently hell and the cast of demons that are part of it are involved in a demonically inspired hellish hierarchy. There are principalities, there are powers, there are rulers of the darkness of this age, and there are spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. There's authority. Uh, There is leadership. You remember uh, the text uh, uh, when Jesus goes into a particular region and there's a man demon-possessed there. And as he's about to cast the demon out, uh, the demons ask for permission uh, to be sent uh, into the region where they already are. Uh, In other words, they've been assigned to a territory uh, and they want to remain in that territory. uh, And they ask for permission. Uh, They have power uh, and authority themselves, uh, but they 
are also underneath authority. This is what you are up against. You're up against a hierarchy of authority. And there are particular demonic personalities that have been designed to manifest themselves in your life. If you're struggling with lust, if you're struggling with greed and covetousness, with anger and unforgiveness and unresolved bitterness, those are demonic personalities that have been assigned. They have taken up residence, and now they're manifesting through your personality. And this is what Paul is trying to enlighten us to. We're dealing with powers and principalities and rulers and spiritual hosts that have territorial dominion and have been assigned for various reasons to take up residence and then manifest themselves in your life. And their objective, of course, is to get you to tap out. So let's look at the equipping that we have for this. Now, saying that much, if I just said now, every head bowed, every eye closed, that wouldn't be a good way to end the service. But there's equipping. All of that I just said can sound a little bleak until you know the rest of the story. And the rest of the story has to do with God's investment in your life. It has to do, God understands this. God knows about this. Therefore, he has created and he has assigned assets. This is what uh, the military does. When we find out what an enemy has, we make something like it but better. When we find out what weaponry that they may be using, that we don't have a counterpunch, our military experts and various private enterprise will go to work and they'll come up with some sort of asset or machinery or firearm or something uh, that can be used to counter uh, and take away the advantage. Uh, And so this is what God has done. He has made an investment uh, in your life for this purpose. Uh, And what I want you to understand first and foremost here uh, is that God himself uh, has wrestled with uh, the very same principalities uh, and powers and rulers uh, and spiritual hosts uh, that you are wrestling with. Uh, God had to wrestle with them uh, in order to overcome. And the narrative of all that begins with a very ancient prophecy way back in the book of Genesis. When Adam and Eve first sinned, God speaks to the serpent, to Satan, and says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. What God is saying there is that there offspring, which eventually is going to bring a Messiah, the Son of God. You're going to hurt each other. You're going to bruise him. You're going to assault him. But he is going to counterpunch and defeat and destroy you because ultimately the one who is going to eventually tap out is Satan. Revelation 20.10 assures us of this. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And so ultimately and eventually, Jesus has caused the surrender of hell and brought about the situation where the devil taps out and surrenders and yields and is cast into hell. We are marching toward that ultimate day that is going to happen. And in the meantime, God has given us powerful assurance and powerful assets and powerful ability so that in the daily wrestling matches that you have to deal with, you can be victorious. You don't ever have to tap out. And if you have, this altar is going to be for this purpose. Maybe you have tapped out. It's not too late to reassert yourself and to get back the place of advantage that you once had. The Holy Spirit can breathe life and revival back into your heart, back into your calling, back into your future and destiny, and you can rise up and you can pin the devil down. Amen. The revelation of Christianity is his strength in us, his virtue in us. Let me ask you, 
the way that you think, the way that you act, the way that you speak, the kind of attitudes that are in your heart, do they express the strength of Christ and the Holy Spirit and the Word of God in us? Are we expressing His virtue? We have been filled and baptized with the power of the Holy Spirit. Part of the fruit of the Spirit is courage and and determination and strength and power and faith and ability to rise up in the dominion of God, asserting ourselves every day of our life, commanding God's virtue to our minds, our hearts, our words, and our actions. First John writes these words in chapter 5, verse 4. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And that is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That word overcome is used three times Uh, in that verse, uh, and it means to prevail. It means to conquer. It means to subdue. It's a wrestling term. Hand-to-hand combat uh, is the idea here, and the terminology uh, is close-quarter fighting. Uh, We have overcome an opponent, uh, not who is at a distance, uh, but who counterpunches and who has maneuvers that he tries to put upon us uh, to subdue us uh, against uh, and outside the boundaries of God's will. And so what this is saying to us is that Christ's victory is our victory. And of course, the climactic moment came. Jesus is betrayed. The soldiers come and they arrest him. The Bible says they cuffed him. Well, it doesn't say that, but they bound him, led him away. Like a lamb to the slaughter. He didn't resist. I slaughtered a lamb one time a few years ago. And I learned something. I know the scripture, uh, but a lamb will let you take it and slit its throat. Try doing that with a bull terrier or a German shepherd. Or any creature. They're going to resist self-preservation, but the lamb will just lie there. You can literally take uh, him under the chin, pull his head back, uh, take out the knife uh, and cut, uh, and he will make noise, uh, but virtually no resistance. This is the position that Jesus put himself into. He surrendered and he yielded and allowed them to accuse him falsely, uh, allowed them to condemn him unjustly uh, and surrendered uh, to the brutality of the crucifixion. Uh, And then he cried out uh, and said, uh, it is finished. Uh, I wonder if hell heard those words uh, and I wonder if they misinterpreted those words. Uh, I wonder if they saw victory. Uh, I wonder if they saw it is finished. Uh, It's all over. Uh, No longer is this one going to be able to mess with our authority and our kingdom, but we know that on the third day, life and breath and spirit and power manifested itself in Jesus Christ, and he rose from the dead, and he broke the power of hell, death, and the grave. He destroyed the works of darkness, and he overcame the wicked one. I imagine the devil thought he had Jesus tapping out. He surrenders. Look at him. What a pathetic sight. I thought he was all, all that, almighty, all powerful, all wonderful. Look at all that he has said now. It's come to absolutely nothing. And they put those hands on the wood and punched a spike through it in his feet and pierced him through and put him in a tomb. And he's dead and it's over and he has been subdued. The devil thought that he had Jesus tapping out, but quite the opposite it was true because he rose from the dead. And then in 1 Corinthians, Paul puts it this way, then comes the end. He delivers the kingdom to God the Father when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and all power for Jesus Christ must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. And the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. Listen very carefully to me. The day is coming when our adversary is going to tap out one final time. There's going to be no more rising up and another counterpunch against
against you. There's going to come a day when the wrestling is over and we are victorious and we are in heaven and we are glorifying God. But until then, we have every advantage because of what Jesus did, we can. He rose from the dead and we are therefore empowered in life to overcome and be victorious day by day through every moment of wrestling that we have to endure as a believer. And until that ultimate victory comes, you're going to have to learn to make sure that the devil is the one who taps out in the daily wrestlings of life. Jesus is tempted in the wilderness. Just another day in his life and ministry. Three times he's tempted. Three times the devil taps out. And then finally Satan said after the third time, The devil gives up momentarily, but he said, now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from Jesus until an opportune time. In other words, I'm coming back. There's going to be a counterpunch. Not right now. You're praying. you got faith. You just fasted. The Spirit of God is all over you. I can't seem to get you to tap out. And so I'll go away for a little while, but I'm going to watch you. And this is what the devil does. He waits for opportunity when you're not praying, you're not reading your Bible, when someone's offended you, when you get mad and angry. He looks for a moment to mount an assault against your life. And I wonder uh, how often uh, do we get in the habit of ourselves tapping out? You're going to have to develop technique. This is what wrestling is all about. It's about technique. It's about skill. It's about strategy. It's about discipline. We're going to have to learn to develop all of those things in the daily wrestlings of life. And this is what the text is all about. It describes the specific types of action that you need to take. Now, it would take a Sunday school series to parse all that's in the verse here. But let me just read it and make a few comments about it. God provides the equipment. And by putting it to use wisely, you have the ability and the power to overcome. You don't have to be subjugated by your anger. You don't have to be... Surrendered to bitterness of offense from the past. You don't have to yield to lust and immorality and tap out to the devil in disobedience. So he says in verse 13, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having, and having done all to stand. So it has to do with what the scripture calls here the armor of God. Making use of it, putting it on. I think a lot of us are getting up in the morning and we're trying to maneuver our way through life without having the armor of God on and we have to keep tapping out, don't we? We don't seem to have the material and the equipment in order to defend ourselves and to fight and to push back on all the counter moves of hell. The Amplified Bible puts it this way, therefore put on God's complete armor that you may be able to resist and stand your ground on that evil day of danger. And having done all uh, that the crisis demands uh, to stand firmly uh, in your place. And it's interesting that it's referred to as not the armor of God, but the whole armor. In other words, you're going to need all of it. It talks about a breastplate, a sword, and a shield. Imagine if a soldier went out to fight and he only had two of the three. The one missing would create a vulnerability. And no matter how skillful he might be with a sword or the shield, without a breastplate or without a sword or without a shield, if one was missing, the devil is going to see that and mount an assault against whatever it is that is missing. All those elements are necessary in your warfare. You need truth that you're standing upon every day of your life. Righteousness is obedience. It's the righteousness of God invested in our lives. It's waking up in the morning and saying, God, I want to be right today. I want to do right today. I want to be driven by your love and your compassion, by obedience, Lord. I want to do, as Jesus said, what is pleasing to you. That is righteousness. We need truth. We need righteousness. We need the shield of faith. Apparently, assaults are going to be mounted against our lives 
darkness. And you're going to have to have a mobile instrument to deflect the fiery darts and the blows that come. And the Bible says this has to do with your faith. As you appropriate the promises of God, you can deflect various assaults that come against your life. It talks about the helmet of salvation. This is protection for your mind. Our sins have been washed away by the blood of Christ. Our minds have been purified and cleansed by His precious blood. We can have mental stability. We can have mental strength and dominion. We don't have to be tormented in our minds. We have been saved. And our minds need to be daily washed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. It talks about the sword of the Spirit and the Word of God. Elements that are necessary. All of them are necessary. You can't do without a single one. And finally, there's another essential that is here. And it is prayer. And he says in Ephesians 6, 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. You see, what I'm talking about requires an intensity. It requires a focus. It requires an attentiveness. The whole armor of God in combination with prayer. It says praying always, being watchful, perseverance. Those are intense words that require you to pay attention in your life. You might be going around doing business, dropping your kids off at school, but there's a constant dimension that is operative and has a potential to come against your life, and that is the counter punches and the counter moves and the strategies of hell. And the Bible says that when you're armed and you're praying, you have dominion and you can be the one that causes the devil to tap out every time, never having to subject yourself and surrender to his counter moves. I think sometimes we fail to connect the dots between our tapping out and the absence of prayer and the fact that we haven't read our Bibles for some time now. We're tapping out so easily. We're allowing anger to run its course. Unforgiveness. We go to sleep mad. We wake up rehearsing all the offenses that have happened to us in life. We keep tapping out to to this demonic counter move uh, that is trying to rob you of everything that God's doing in your life. The Amplified translates that last verse I read, verse 18 on prayer. Pray at all times, on every occasion and every season, in the Spirit, with all manner of prayer and entreaty. And to that end, keep alert and watch with strong purpose and perseverance, uh, interceding on behalf of all the saints. It requires that. So let's look at the victory that we're assured of. How are you going to procure all of this in your life and actually have it be a reality? How are we going to get from having lost ground and having tapped out to our calling and our destiny and obedience and lust or whatever it may be? How are we going to recover ourselves? First of all, this has to be real to you. You're in a ring with a 300-pound opponent. It's going to become real to you pretty quick. This is no joke. He wants to slam you down, subjugate you, subdue you. And he's going to do everything within the boundaries of the rules. He's going to step outside the boundaries of the rules. If he thinks he can get away with it, he's going to do everything he can to get you to tap out. And that is every day of our lives. So this wrestling business has to be very real to you. The spiritual realities of having to wrestle with our adversary have to be front and center. Nothing is assured in your life. Heaven is not assured. The power of the Holy Spirit working is not assured. Everything we have in life, we've got to fight for, we've got to contend for, we've got to protect and guard. It's the very imagery that Jesus used over and over again. Matthew 11, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. 
In Luke chapter 11, he used the idea of a strong man guarding his house. And he said, when a strong man armed uh, uh, fully guards his own palace, his goods are in peace. Uh, But when a stronger than he comes upon him and overcomes him, uh, he takes from him all his armor in which he trusted uh, and divides his spoils. Uh, And so the strong man is Satan, uh, and he's going to protect his goods, uh, which are contained inside of your life. Every bad attitude, uh, every foul impulse, every unclean and immoral desire. Uh, He's going to try to protect his interests uh, as they pertain to your life uh, until uh, a stronger than he comes along. uh, And that stronger than he uh, is the name of Jesus uh, and the power of the Holy Spirit uh, and your right choices. uh, You're going to have to get very serious about this in your life because it's personal. It's punch and counterpunch. And you have to appropriate, it's very simple. You have to appropriate all that God has for you by faith. We live our lives in a dimension of faith. Believing in what we don't see because it has been assured to us by God through his word. That's what makes all this real. Makes it work in a practical way in your life. You take all of these components that I've mentioned, truth, righteousness, obedience, faith, the assurance of our salvation, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. You clothe. This is why morning prayer is so crucial and so critical because that's when you're putting on the whole armor of God and you're preparing yourself for the wrestling that you're going to have to go through that day. You take all of these components... You take possession of them by faith every single day. And as you face various trials, you're going to find yourself empowered. Thoughts that are rogue come into your mind. Somebody may say something to you that in previous times would have hurt you and upset you really bad, but now you're able to handle it without getting angry and bitter. What does a soldier do when he comes under attack? He gets all the equipment that the United States government has given him. If there's a firearm involved, if there's some kind of a blade involved, sometimes around his waist there'll be provisions and ammunition and water. The United States government has equipped him. He wouldn't just leap out of bed when he hears gunfire and charge outside in his underwear. He's got to get all the equipment together as quickly as he can. And be ready to fight. And that's what you have to do. You have to procure the whole armor of God every single day. When Jesus was tempted by the devil, what did he do? He had the word of God, the sword of the spirit. He was standing on a foundation of truth and revelation. And when the devil tempted him, his counterpunch was the word of God and the devil tapped out. When the devil tempted him again, his counterpunch was truth and revelation, and the devil tapped out. And when the third temptation came, the same revelation and truth was what Jesus was standing on, and the devil tapped out. The Bible says in First Peter, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him under no circumstances, in any situation. Don't ever tap out. And if you have, let's just say you have, there's redemption here at the altar. There's recovery because that final day has not happened. The power of the Holy Spirit is available to every man, every woman who through, for whatever reason, discouragement, demoralized, weakness, bad choices. I'm not really interested in why you tapped out. All I'm interested in is seeing you at an altar to recover everything that God has for your life. You can recover holiness and obedience and righteousness and calling and future and destiny. And you don't ever have to tap out on those things again in your life. Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Hallelujah. It's a wonderful grace of God here this morning. Lord, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your word. I thank you for this great people that you've gathered together. You know the needs and the struggles. You know the failures and the setbacks that have happened to us, Lord. You know all about the sin and the backsliding. 
You know all about the pain and the hardship, the offenses. You know all about the deep, hard struggles that we endure, God. And you're able to lighten the load here today by bringing us to this altar, clothing us with that armor that you have prepared for us so that we can learn how to wrestle successfully, never again having to tap out in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed. Christians are praying before we do anything else this morning. You came to the altar. You came to church this morning. You're not saved. You're not right with God. Maybe you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You have not been born again. I don't know everyone here. We know most, all of you, but not everyone. You may have come as a visitor. And maybe even if you don't know Christ, this sermon can make sense because sinners and unbelievers struggle. Isn't life such a struggle and hard? Why do we have no peace, no joy, no victory in our lives? Why do we do things we know are wrong, we feel guilty? We struggle to do right, but we can't. See, it's the same for everyone. Only a believer has the asset of the Holy Spirit and the power of God that we can employ to help us and to be the source of our ability to overcome. Christians are praying. You're here this morning. Maybe you're not a Christian. You're not saved. You're not right with God. And maybe you're just tired of fighting. That's kind of what my condition was at the age of 19 when I got saved. I'm tired of fighting. Bound by drugs, alcohol. I tapped out to sin, disobedience, rage, emotional turmoil, anger, vetch of every kind. When I gave my life to Christ, was born again, saved. Oh, thank God for that day, something happened. I was pinned down on the mat. The devil's forearm was right at my throat. But when I gave my life to Christ, strength, power, and energy was imparted into my life to the point where I could get up. I could throw the devil off. And I could begin to walk in newness of life. That's the opportunity you have here today. I'm not saying you're never going to struggle. We are all human. We all have to work at obedience. But you don't have to live your life with your back on the mat, with a heavy weight over you, and you can't budge, you can't move, you can't get out from underneath it. The difference between you and me, with the difference between you and a Christian is we have ability to get up. We may fall down. The devil may occasionally get a little bit of an advantage, but we always have ability and power to rise up. And that's really what you need. And in order for that to happen, you need to pray and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You need to be forgiven of your sins, washed in the precious blood. And I'd like to pray for you this morning. In the love of Christ, I'd like to pray for you and believe God to work a miracle in your life. Every time I give an altar call, I I, I try to give that altar call as though I'm the one sitting out there lost and desperate and in sin and on my way to hell and without hope. I'm so grateful that when Pastor Warner reached out to me. He did it with that kind of love and compassion. Reaching out, not satisfied with a no, contending for a yes for my life. And so if you're here this morning and you're not saved, you're not right with God, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you really want to know Him, I want to ask you if you would... Let me pray for you. And in order to do that, I need you to just lift your hand right up. And what you're doing is you're saying, Pastor Stevens, pray for me. I want to receive Christ. I know there's sin in my life and I want to be forgiven. Would you lift your hand up right now? Lift it high so that I can see it. I want to pray. I need Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Anyone else? Lift your hand right up. God is dealing with your heart. It's undeniable. Lift your hand up. In Jesus' name, I'm ready to repent, Pastor Stevens. I want to get my heart right with God. I know that I'm not ready. If I should pass away from this life, I'm not ready to stand before God and give an account of my life. 
I want to repent. Would you pray for me? Lift your hand up right now all over this building. Amen. God bless you. I see that. Thank you, sister. Maybe you're backslidden. You try to convince yourself it's everyone else, but it's you. It's what's inside of your heart. You could not possibly be offended more than Jesus was. And from the cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. In the height of pain and agony, no anger, no rage, no vengeance, no upset. Only love, only forgiveness. And maybe you're here this morning and you've gotten into the habit of tapping out. You're tapped out to sin. Tapped out to anger and offense and calling. And that's what I've asked you to do here. Look at your life. What is there that God has done that is no longer there? What counter moves have been successful to extract from you the advances that God has made? And maybe what you need to do is rededicate your life to Christ here this morning. Come clean, acknowledge God, acknowledge your sin, acknowledge your wrongdoing, get out from behind your pride, and let Jesus touch you today. You're backslidden. Would you lift your hand? God bless you. I see that hand. Anyone else, lift your hand right up. In the name of Jesus, I want to rededicate my life to Christ. Lift your hand right up. In Jesus' name. All right, if you raised your hand, I want you to look at me. Did you mean that, young lady? You meant that? I believe you did over here. I believe you meant that. I want you to come right now. We're going to pray with you. Would you come? Someone's going to pray with you. Maybe Carol, could you come and pray with this young lady right here? Thank you very much. God bless you. Thank you for coming. Have you ever prayed to receive Jesus before? This is Carol, and she's going to pray with you. Oh, thank the Lord. Amen. Her heads are bowed. Her eyes are closed. This altar is a place to recover. Some of you may have thought, Pastor, when you started preaching that sermon, I felt hopeless because I know I've been tapping out, and I have tapped out a lot. And I know a lot of the counter moves of hell have been successful. Listen. There's enough dominion, enough power, authority in the name of Jesus to help you. This is what restoration and redemption and recovery is all about. We were all bound in the slave market of sin, but we've been set free. We've all been subjugated by our anger and and unforgiveness and sin and pride. But we can rise up in newness of life. You may be pinned on your back. The devil has his forearm to your throat. But this altar is a place where you get the strength you need to throw him off once and for all and spend the rest of your life getting him to tap out every day instead of you. There are specific issues in every life, particular weaknesses, wrestling in Jesus' name. Let's all stand. The altars are open. We're coming and finding a place to pray this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. We can sing quietly as people are coming to pray. And I want you to talk to God. Be honest with God. Lord, I've tapped out and I'm sorry. I allowed myself to become weakened. Maybe it was because, God, I haven't been praying. I haven't been guarding my heart. I haven't been acutely aware of what life is all about. Life is about victory, and it's about joy, and it's about forgiveness, and it's about dominion. But you've got to contend for all those things, fight for all those things. Oh, God, I thank you. I praise you. I love you, Lord. I exalt you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Oh, God, touch every heart, Lord God. Cleanse our hearts and remove everything in us that is not of you. I pray for anyone here who may be demoralized and discouraged. Oh, 
God, breathe life and revival and victory and dominion and power and authority in Jesus' name. Oh, God, you're worthy to be praised. You're worthy to be glorified. You're worthy to be exalted. Your name is above every name, and there is none other given whereby we must be saved but the name of Jesus. Oh, this is a place to get down to the issues of your heart. Oh, God, I realize that my life is wrestling. Help me to succeed, oh, God. And daily, Lord, I will put on the whole armor of God. I realize that's what I have to do. I have to make use of the assets that you've made available to me, Lord, so that I can be equipped to overcome all the mind battles, all the temptations, all the rogue thoughts of life. Oh, God, I thank you, Lord God. I thank you so very much for your Holy Spirit, for your word. I thank you for faith. I thank you for the righteousness and the holiness that flows from you, Lord God. Oh, Let's all stand, can we? We're going to finish our service this morning by leaving here, doing what this scripture says, take up the whole armor of God. That's what you have to do. God doesn't put it on you. You have to take it for yourself. Truth, righteousness, faith, the word of God, prayer, your obedience. All of those things are assets that God has given you. I want you to bow your heads with me tonight, this morning. And we're going to close in prayer. There are some here that have been discouraged. Listen, stop that now. You're on your feet again. Off your back, on your feet. Devil doesn't have his forearm on your throat. The process is beginning for you to begin to develop the skill and the discipline and the ability and the maneuvers to be able to get the devil to tap out and not you. It's daily. You're going to wake up tomorrow morning, you're going to have to wrestle. I can't tell you no wrestling. Mind battles, temptations, all those things come. But we can have all power, dominion, authority, and ability. Amen. Let's bow our heads praying in Jesus' name. Lord God in heaven, I thank you so very much for all the power and the might and the authority that you have given to me. In the name of Jesus Christ. And so therefore today, I am declaring war against my adversary who's trying to rob me of everything that you have put into my life. I'm not letting that happen anymore. No counter move by hell needs to succeed. Therefore, right now I put on the whole armor of God, clothing myself in truth, in righteousness, in the Word of God, in faith, and through prayer, I am going to acquire everything I need to have dominion in my life. I know that I have tapped out, and I'm sorry, Lord. I don't want to be that person anymore, never again surrendering, never again tapping out. Only victory in the future. Equip me to that end, O God. I lay hold of you for that purpose. And I'm getting ready for the wrestling that's going to come today and tomorrow and until you come and finally get the devil to tap out for eternity. 
Until that day, I'm going to win every battle. And I thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Let's thank the Lord here today. Father, I praise you. I love you. I exalt you, Lord. I glorify you. I worship you. I need you above all things. You are worthy to be praised. You are worthy to be glorified. You are worthy to be exalted, O oh God. Your name is above every name. Oh, God, you're worthy to be praised. You're worthy to be glorified. You're worthy, O oh Lord, to be exalted. Your name is above every name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for setting me free. Thank you for all my power, authority, and dominion, O God. God, I thank you, I praise you, I love you and exalt you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Why don't we just bow our heads right where we are. We will dismiss. Uh, go rejoicing. Remember the big event tonight, the three-on-three tournament. Bring someone that needs Jesus. Uh, come at 6 to register. Bring a side dish. You know the drill. Uh, and let's come together tonight, believing God for great things. Actually, the sermon I'm going to preach is a little bit of a follow-up to this one, uh, so you don't want to miss that, about breaking curses and getting out from underneath the heavy weight. So that's going to be tonight, so let's come and gather together, believe God for great things. Amen. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, and uh, I would like to ask uh, uh, Brother Juan Biquetta to close us in prayer and thank God for speaking to us here today.